Okay, my question tonight is, uh, what is the key word in understanding the concept of stewardship? What's the key word in understanding the concept of stewardship? Well, that's true. You're really on to something there. She says, not yours. Accountability is good. That's right. And it goes right along with the word I'm thinking about, which is responsibility, right? But stewardship has a unique responsibility, and that's what uh, Kate was talking about. And what is that unique responsibility? You're responsible for the management of somebody else's stuff, right? It's not really yours. We got this idea in our head that it's mine, whatever it is. It's not really yours. It's borrowed to you. It's been lent to you to use for somebody else. Who is that somebody? Well, yeah, just happens to be God. That's right. So uh, responsibility is the key word. Uh, let's talk about it. Stewardship. The idea of steward is that of being a manager or an administrator who has authority and responsibility to conduct affairs on behalf of an owner. A God-given stewardship is a management responsibility for which we are accountable to the Lord, who is our master owner. Uh, for the Christian, the whole of life is now shown to be a stewardship responsibility. So how much of a, are we responsible for, do you suppose? Well, I just told you, right? The whole of life. We sometimes think, well, 10% belongs to the Lord. Is there a verse for that? Uh, you know, in the Old Testament, you could find the tithe, Right? And so you, you, you have some Old Testament verses, but really, even then, if you figure up all the things that they were supposed to give to the Lord, it comes out to more closely to 30%. I mean, if you want to go by the letter of the law. But really, in the New Testament, we are not given a percentage. And I submit to you, the reason for that is because we're 100% accountable for everything God has given to us. I mean, we are here to serve his pleasure entirely. Say, God, you want it all? Yeah, yeah, he does. He, wants, he just wants it all. Uh, so let's talk about this. Uh, God's ownership. According to Psalm uh, 24.1, what belongs to the Lord? Yeah, the earth and everything that dwells in it, right? It's all God's, ultimately. That's right. Uh, to whom do Christians now uniquely belong? And why, as seen in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20? That's right. And why, according to the verse? What did he do? He bought us with, yeah, with a price. And what is that price? The precious blood of Christ, right? That's right. You've been bought. That means you, uh, somebody else owns you now. Uh, he owns you in a very good sense, not in a negative sense, but but uh, he's the master and we're the slaves in that sense. He bought us. We're his, we're his property. He, he bought us. We belong to him. Uh, in James 1.17, what is the source of every good gift? It comes down from the father of lights, right? There's no variation or, or shadow of turning. He's unchanging. But every good and perfect gift comes down from, from the father. Um, if it's good, it comes from God. And so at the bottom of the page here, <clears throat> why is there no reason for boasting in what we have as referenced in 1 Corinthians 4, 7? 
Right. I mean, certainly not in a, in a major way, but it has been given to us, right? And so why should we not boast? I mean, it's ours after all, right? It's been given to us. We... Ah, he asked the penetrating question, right? What do you have that you have not received? Yeah, yeah. So we have received it. It's been given to us. We can't boast and say, well, hey, look what I acquired. No, ultimately you received it. Yeah, it's a blessing. It's a gift from God. So, uh, and that applies to everything. I mean, you name what you will. What, ha- what have you not received? You say, well, hey, this is completely independent of anybody, even God, uh, what I've come up with here. Really? Uh, I'm, I'm open. <laughs> Nothing. Uh, you say you're intelligent? Let's just say, just pretend here that you're intelligent. Uh, uh, <laughs> where did you get... <laughs> Sarcasm? Uh, well, that might be from another side. But anyway. Uh, but whatever we have. Uh, I mean, if the Lord has blessed us monetarily, uh, good looks, uh, IQ, status in life, position, whatever it is. It's from him. It's from him. So there's no room for boasting here. Like, hey, look what I, I'm a self-made person. No, 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 you're not. No, I'm not. Uh, we've received it from, from the Lord. Okay, any input there on page uh, 195? Anything there? Okay, let's go on to the next page, page uh, 196. Christian stewardship responsibilities. Uh, what stewardship was Paul entrusted with as seen in 1 Corinthians 9, 16, and 17? The gospel. And specifically to do what with it? Just sit and look at it? To preach the gospel. That's right. Stewardship entrusted him. And, uh, you know, he says it really strong. Uh, what's the language he uses to emphasize what, what you know, this was, this was not like uh, I, God left it with me, whether I wanted to go and preach the gospel or not. How does he state it in such severe terms? Woe is me if I don't preach the gospel. I mean, woe is a very strong word. And so, you know, it's not like he had a lot of choice here. God entrusted him with the God. said, I'm putting this into your trust to use for me. Uh, I, he didn't really have any choice. And that, so that was his stewardship, to preach the gospel. Okay, thankfully, the Lord hasn't done that to us. Or, or has he? Yes, sir. Uh, I'm afraid so. I, I'm uh, not afraid. I, I think so. Yep. Uh, according to 1 Thessalonians 2.4, as one entrusted with the gospel, how did Paul speak? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Not as pleasing people, but to please God, uh, who ultimately tests the what? The heart. That's right. So he, he made it his goal, as this one who's given this stewardship, to please God. That's really the goal, isn't it? To show up on judgment day and have the Lord say, well done. It's not going to matter what anybody else said, is it? You're not going to be saying, well, thank you, God. Now what's everybody else think here? (laughs) It's not going to matter. It's not going to matter at all what anybody else thinks. The goal is to, uh, to to please God. Okay, middle of the page. What responsibility does each believer have as brought out in 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11? Yeah, that's right. And, and what do we call that? To be a 
I said sinister. I heard sinister. I knew that was right. Okay, well, which are the same thing? What's that? Ah, that's really what I'm looking for there. Uh, we have as a responsibility to be a good steward of the spiritual gifts that have been given to us. As he says, as each one has received the gift, God has given you some gift as a believer, and he wants you to use it as a good steward, whatever that gift is. Uh, so he says, yeah, as each one has received a gift uh, to be good stewards of the manifold, the, the multicolored, the multifaceted grace of God. So God has gifted you. You say, well, I don't feel too gifted. Well, I'm, it's not a matter how you feel. You are gifted. God has given you a gift that he wants to, you to use for his glory in the body of Christ. Now, um, Peter goes on there in verse 11. He really breaks giftedness down into two broad categories. And what are they? If anyone speaks, let me speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers or serves. So kind of speaking and serving. You have a gift in one of those two categories. Maybe overlap. I mean, uh, gifts are like uh, fingerprints. They're, they're no two exactly alike. I think everybody's custom made here as far as uh, who you are, including your giftedness. But... Uh, Everyone has a gift, and we, are, and we are exhorted to be good stewards of the gift or the gifts that God has given to us. And what does that mean? That means it's going to come up on Judgment Day, right? I mean, that's the whole issue on, on Judgment Day for us as believers. Say, what are we being judged for? Our sins have been taken. Well, that's right. We're going to the believer's judgment because our sins have been taken care of. It's not a matter of, uh, you know, innocent or guilty as far as sin. Uh, Christ has paid the full penalty for our sin. The issue on Judgment Day for us is, hey, what's your stewardship look like? Let's evaluate that. That becomes the all, that's the all in all on Judgment Day for us as believers. Okay, um, what wisdom principle is found in Proverbs 3, 9 and 10? Of course, Proverbs is a book of wisdom. And there's a wisdom principle here. And what is it? Right, so we kind of see that emphasis, the first fruits to the Lord here. It all belongs to God, we know that. But there is an emphasis in terms of a wisdom principle here as far as first fruits to the Lord and how God will bless that. And I think that's really just saying keep God first. Keep God first. Whatever we're talking about, keep God first. And last. And everything in between, of course. But uh, first fruits to the Lord is emphasized there. I do think there is a good principle there. And, uh, okay, any other thoughts? All right, next question. What giving principle is presented in Malachi 1, 7 through 14? I'm looking for principle here. We're in the Old Testament. We're not under the law, but I do think there are principles that, you know, can apply, have application. And what is the principle uh, that we see? What giving principle in Malachi chapter 1? No leftovers. I like that. What, what has God challenged them to do? You know, what were they bringing to God as an offering? Yeah, the blind, the lame. And, yeah, right. 
Yeah, and something nobody wanted. It's like that old, you know, when somebody called into Paul Harvey and said, I've got a turkey, it's been in the freezer for seven years. Is it any good to eat? And he says, well, uh, it, it might be okay, it would probably taste terrible. He said, well, that's what we thought, so we were going to give it to the church. <laughs> well, we don't want to do that. That's Malachi. Um, they were, God challenges him, go and do this to your governor. See if he'll accept it. And uh, there's a tremendous emphasis in that section on, on what a great insult this is to God to bring him the leftovers like this. And why is it such a great insult to God? Well, it says things like this. Because he is the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of heaven. Uh, because my name shall be great among the Gentiles. I am a great king. My name is to be feared among the nations. So he's a, he's a great God. And, and our giving should reflect that. Shouldn't say, well, he's, he's, you know, he's not too important. You know, uh, it's good enough for who it's for. <laughs> no, uh, it should be our best for him. He is worthy. I mean, that, that should be reflected in our giving. So note, in the Old Testament, there is the precedent of the first fruits to the Lord. That, that is a great principle. But now under the new covenant, the emphasis is on grace giving. Under grace, no mandatory percentage of giving is specified. By the way, legalists tend to go to the Old Testament because, you know, there is law there, right? There is law there. There's like 613 laws there. Uh, so if, if you want laws, you probably go to the Old Testament. And they do. Uh, we, however, live under a new covenant, right? We're not under the law. Now, there's things we can learn there. There's moral principles that, uh, you know, supersede everything uh, but, uh, and are repeated in conjunction with the new covenant even. But uh, I really think uh, under the new covenant, we actually have a higher standard. We're seeing this in Jesus' teaching in, you know, the uh, Sermon on the Mount. But uh, I think grace giving always outstrips legalistic giving. I think it really does. Uh, what's the difference between legal giving and grace giving? Ah, that's it. Bingo. We're not even playing bingo here, but that was right. Uh, yeah. Legal giving says I have to. I have to. It's hanging over my head. I got to do this. I never want people to give because they have to. They don't have to give anything. I mean, we're, we're going to see this. We saw it in our memory verses, right? Which you all memorized for this week, right? Yeah. <laughs> Second Corinthians 9, 6, 7. I, I got this quirky sense of humor. I'm not sure why I got it, but I always blame my mother. But <laughs> bless her soul, she's gone now. But anyway, yeah, grace giving. We give because we want to. We want to. We have this great God. Giving is an act of worship. Whenever you give, you're not giving it to the church. You're not giving it to the missionary. You're giving it to God. It's an act of worship. And you give because you want to. Like I say, grace giving. I think it presents actually a higher standard than any legalistic code that we had in the Old Testament. If uh, our hearts are really where they should be. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And of course, there was no church in the Old Testament, right? It was the temple. You know, we had the temple, and uh, there was the support of the priests. 
and the Levites. And, uh, you know, their offerings went to help, uh, you know, the ongoing work of these priests and these Levites. And then, you know, there was different uh, uh, feasts where they were to not be found empty as they came before the Lord and and so forth. So there was different things that that were were mentioned. But certainly you had the tithe under the law. Yeah, you start right there, 10%. You you do have a 10% figure. Huh? I didn't know that changed. Yeah, we'll, we'll see this as we continue on in our study. <laughs> well, yeah, it does in a sense. It, it does in a sense, but realize our opening presupposition was. Well, that's true. And how much of life is a stewardship? There you go. That's right. So, so it's kind of like, you know, <laughs> it all belongs to the Lord. So, but, you know, yeah, you do need to pay your bills, uh, you know, uh, it, savings. There's, there's a place for savings and wisdom and all of these things. But you kind of figured out as far as the fear of God. And, and I do think there's a principle. Let's, let's put God first. You know, probably in our budget, we don't put him last, <laughs> you know, and so forth. But yeah, good question. Okay, let's go on to page 197. However, we are shown to be stewards of, of not only 10%, but of 100% of what God has entrusted to us. Just to complete the thought there, uh, our whole of life is really a stewardship. What kinds of things would we talk about when we talk about the whole of life? I've been mentioning this, this whole of life. What kind of things are we stewards of, do you suppose? Can you, can you mention some things other than money? Money, we know money, 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 right? What, what other than money? Time. Oh, boy. Uh, that can be so convicting. You know, sometimes I look at Facebook, and it's like, what did I do with this last 45 minutes? This is, this is insane. I, I really don't want to have to give an account for this. Uh, 45 minutes I just totally wasted. Uh, I try to justify it. I'm looking at what the kids are doing, and that's valuable. <laughs> anyway, what else? Uh, time. Yeah, well, that's Peter. That's right. The use of our spiritual gifts. Okay, God's gifted you. Now, are you serving? You know, some people are AWOL. I don't know where they went. I haven't seen them forever. And some maybe have a good excuse. I'm not blaming everybody. But uh, I'm talking about people who have no excuse, really. Uh, where are we in our, in our service? So, yeah, uh, priorities of life and, and on and on, uh, whatever it might be. Okay, uh, what activity is associated with worship in Matthew 2.11? Yeah, the king was born, and here you have these Gentiles showing up. And what kind of gifts did they bring? Cheap little uh, things uh, that they got at the second-hand store on the way into town? No. What, did they, what kind of gifts did they bring? Gold, frankincense, myrrh. Very expensive gifts for the king. Uh, I was just a little baby. I mean, what's the deal here? Well, they knew who he was, and they saw the value here. And This is worship. They, they came to worship him in this way. Uh, what a great example. Okay, uh, the Macedonian churches were a great example in giving. What was their attitude as seen in 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 5? They were. And, and what, was, what was the context of their giving? Out of their poverty. Good grief. People in poverty are supposed to be receiving, right? They're giving. Out of their, out of their poverty, they, they freely gave, which means they gave what? What's the descriptive word? Liberal. Yes, 
and sacrificially. Sacrificially. When you're giving out of your poverty, we don't have it to spare, but we're doing it anyway. Uh, that's how they gave. What, what a great example uh, the Macedonian churches were. Going through some hard times, and yet they were still continuing to give. Okay, here's our memory verses. Uh, what principles of New Testament giving are brought out in 2 Corinthians 9, 6, and 7? Where do we start? Yeah, you sow sparingly, how are you going to reap? And you sow bountifully? So, yeah, there you go. Uh, you know, as a son of a farmer, I understand this, right? You don't plant, you're not going to harvest. Uh, and, and if you plant a little, you'll, prob- you'll get a little harvest. If you plant a lot, you'll get a lot. So uh, here's, here's, here's New Testament. We're under grace giving, but here's the principle. Uh, as you sow, you're going to reap. And uh, as he goes on there, uh, what other principles do we have here? Yeah, God loves a cheerful giver. I, you know, what, is, what do you think? How's a, a grudging giver? How's that going to fare? Uh, I hate to give it, but I guess I'll do it. But I hate it. <laughs> I, I wonder how much of a reward that's going to get. Well done, thou grudging giver. <laughs> huh? That's how you pay your taxes. That's not how you worship your God. That's right. That's how you treat your government, not your God. That, that's, that's true. That's a good point. I know. I know. I just went to the tax lady yesterday. You know, I was dealing with death and taxes yesterday. That's what kind of day it was. But anyway. <laughs> anyway. Uh, you know, it says, Every man as he purposes in his heart, so let him give. Not grudgingly or of... Necessity. There you go. You don't have to give if you don't want to. This is New Testament. Where do you find that in the Old Testament? You don't. This is a new era. We're under grace. Grace giving. Nobody has to give anything. But just realize you don't want to. You don't want to sow. You're not going to reap either. And God loves a cheerful giver. He wants us to want to give. As I said earlier, as a, as a matter of worship. So yeah, um, sowing and reaping. They go together. And uh, you can give according to what uh, you want to. But uh, yes. Would giving secretly also be one of the principles? Sure. I think so. I mean, uh, yeah, Jesus talks about this. You don't blow the trumpet and say, hey, look, look at what a great giver I am, everybody. Yeah, it's, uh, it's between you and God. Yeah, not not as a show off for anybody else. Yeah, I, I really don't know who gives what to the church. I purposely don't know. I mean, sometimes somebody hands me something and whatever, but I, I try not to even look. It's none of my business. It's between them and God, and uh, I don't want to know because I don't want to treat the big givers really nicely. <laughs> and those who never give anything, like you, don't really matter. Uh, nope, I don't even want to know. You know, between, between the individual and God, totally. So, all right. Any other thoughts there? Yes, Tom.
not only in heaven, but on earth as well. Not always, but you see, you see that happen. Sure. God can do anything he wants to, but let me just play the holy angel's advocate for just a moment. <laughs> you know, if you carry that too far, you, you know what you end up with? A prosperity gospel, right? So, I mean, really, some of the people who gave the most, like the Apostle Paul, it's like, you know, I've learned in whatever state I am in this to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. So he knew kind of both experiences. And I don't think it mattered necessarily. He said, boy, I didn't give last week, so this week I'm abased. No, not necessarily. So I don't know that we can formulize that. Yeah. And then you see the results of the mission and it makes you happy. Sure. Not just, oh, I'm going to give to the mission and hope I get some money. Right. Sure. Oh, God does bless. No doubt. One way or another, God bless. And he may, he may bless you uh, uh, financially. Uh, Philippians 4, you know, God, uh, out of uh, the abundance of his storehouse, you know, he tells the Philippians, you know, God is able to meet your needs in abundance. So, yeah. Um, but I just don't know that we can formulize it. I, I do think our reward really is in heaven, and uh, who knows what might happen here. I might have poverty ahead of me, even though I've been very faithful in my giving. I, who knows how God might work? Uh, Paul knew both experiences. So, so anyway, thanks for bearing with me. You're right, in a, in a sense, for sure. Okay, uh, what instructions related to giving are applicable for today in uh, from 1 Corinthians 16, 2. Each week. So, so be giving, uh, regular, right? I see that regular. He says uh, each, each week as, as you come together on the first day of the week, uh, lay aside something. And of course, there was a special project for the poor, you know, that they were collecting funds for here. But uh, that principle, to be regular, uh, come together on the first day of the week. Is it what? It took Yeah. Right, right. And uh, how were they to give according to that verse? As God prospered them. Oh, yeah, I like that principle. Uh, you, you don't give according to what you don't have. You give in accordance with what you do have. This is a problem I always had with faith giving. Faith giving. It's like, I'm just trusting God for, uh, you know, $100,000, and so I'm going to give this amount, uh, or whatever. You have no idea what's coming. And and faith takes God at his word. God hasn't promised you anything. I mean, who knows what's going to come. You give according to how God has prospered you. You give out of that. That's what we find the principle here in 1 Corinthians 16, too. Okay. at the end of Christ's ministry, what did he say in John 17, 4 about the work given him to do? Yeah, he had finished the work the Father gave for him to do. Do you think God's given you too much to do? I sometimes almost complain that way, right? I wish I had two days to do this work. <laughs> Maybe it's because I'm not disciplined enough in some areas. I'm not sure, but uh, you know... God's given us just the right amount of work for us to do. And uh, uh, we're here to accomplish uh, that work, just like Jesus finished the work the Father gave for him to do. Jesus didn't say, well, you know, I needed really six years, Father. 
No, three years. He got it all done. Uh, what was Paul's passion as recorded in Acts 20, 24? Yeah, and to, and to um, what do you want to do with his course? He wanted to finish the course with joy, right? And, and what was it? What was it he wanted to keep doing until he was done? Yeah, that's right. Testifying to the gospel of God's grace. Absolutely. That was his main objective. All right. Any other thoughts there? Okay. Well, let's go on to page 198. Stewardship accountability. What is the conclusion of the whole matter of life as revealed in Ecclesiastes 12, 13, and 14? Yeah, this, this is man's whole. To, to, to fear God, that is to reverence God and to keep his commandments. Uh, really, life is about God. It really is. And uh, we've said that a number of times here. But uh, yeah, the whole of life is really about um, living for God. In 1 Corinthians 4.2, what is stated to be, the require, uh, to be required of stewards? Yeah, that one, that one be found worthy. Uh, that's right, that, that one be found uh, faithful, faithful. Um, and who is God, do you suppose, going to find faithful in terms of, of stewardship? Well, the one who used the responsibility for him faithfully. Uh, I don't think uh, you're going to be, you can't be faithful if you weren't a good steward of it. I mean, uh, it's required of stewards that one be found faithful. Uh, that we have managed well what God gave to us, uh, the gifts he has given us, whatever he has given to us. Um, I, I really, I know people are very quick to say, well, I, I know he's in heaven now and the Lord, is, the Lord is well done. Now, good and faithful. Who are we to start pronouncing this type of stuff? Uh, you know, I don't, I, I don't want to judge myself. I'm not sure, you know, when I think about how holy God is and I think about how human I am, uh, I, 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 know, I don't even know all my shortcomings. I, I know some of them. <laughs> it's like, uh, boy, according to my standard, I, I, I'd like to think I'm doing pretty well, right? We probably all would as human. But I'm not sure on Judgment Day when you have, you know, boy, uh, the ultimate standard of God being uh, the measuring stick here. It's required that stewards be found faithful. Uh, what was Paul's aim and why in 2 Corinthians 5, 9, and 10? To be found well-pleasing in his sight. Uh, and, of course, this is uh, talking about the judgment seat of Christ. Uh, now, some we know are, are not going to be found well-pleasing, right? I mean, 1 John uh, chapter 2, verse 28 talks about how some will be ashamed before him at his coming. They're believers. They're saved. We go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Uh, wood, hay, and stubble for some. Oh, boy, there went my life. There's, there's my whole life for all eternity. That's, you know, didn't really count for much for, for all eternity. I don't want to be in that category. Uh, I want my life to count. As Paul said, what drove him was that he be found well-pleasing uh, in, in, in the service of God. Okay, any other thoughts? All right, let's press on. According to uh, Romans 14, 12, what shall each one of us as believers do? We're each one going to give an account of our neighbor, right? Of ourself, 
of ourself. That does change things. Yeah. Every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. Wow. It's me and God. Me and God. How'd you, how'd you handle it? How'd you handle the, the stewardship that I, I, I've given you? Wow. I don't know about you, but it kind of makes me have a little fear and trembling. It really does. I think some was, I say to my wife, I, I have tried my best to preach the word, and I have, week in and week out. This was my major responsibility. But there's a lot of things I think, boy, yeah, but I'm weak over here, and I'm weak there, and I should be doing this, and yeah, I should be doing this. <laughs> there's a balance in things. I mean, you can drive yourself into the ground in a hurry if you're not careful. But uh, I think maybe uh, it's good to feel the pinch a little bit because I think we tend to be very lenient on ourselves generally, right? It's like, okay, it's okay. It's not that big a deal. Well, what will be a big deal and what won't be on Judgment Day? That's the ultimate issue. And praise the Lord. He is a very merciful and gracious God too, for sure. And the other thing we got to think about too is he didn't say earlier that he's going to give you every gift. Right. No, 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 it's true. Preach it. Preach it, sister. When I start feeling like, oh, I should be doing this, you know, doing all these things, that's my pride stepping up. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great point. We, we, we use the gift God gave us, not That is excellent. I, I think the Holy Spirit's bringing that out right there. That, that is so good because I often do, I do know that intellectually. <laughs> and I'll often say to my wife, we're not the whole body. Right. You know, we're just one member with certain gifts yeah. doing one part. That's, that's an excellent point. That's a great point. Yeah, very good. Okay. Um, in Luke 16, 10 uh, through 12, what did Jesus say characterizes the one who is faithful? He's faithful in, yeah? Small things. Uh, he who is faithful in least is also faithful in much, right? And so you say, well, I think if we just you just give the person a bigger responsibility, they'd be faithful. They got such a little thing, it doesn't really matter to them. But if we give them a big thing, they'd really be faithful. No, no, no. That's not what the Bible says. Uh, the principle here is, uh, if you're not faithful in a little thing, you won't be faithful in a bigger thing. So if you're faithful in the little, God will give you more. And so maybe that enters in, Jonathan, that you were saying earlier. I mean, sometimes God does bless us with more. I mean, we're, we're faithful in the little, the little amount that he's given us, and maybe he gives us more even. You do see people uh, sometimes giving a lot, and they just keep giving and giving, and it's like, wow, and, and God gives them even more. So, yeah. Okay, uh, what stewardship application can we make from Luke uh, twelve forty eight? Yeah, you've been given much. Much required. Thankfully, we live in America where we haven't been given much. So, uh, you know, we don't have much to give an account for. Uh, I'm not sure that's really true. Uh, been given a lot. I've been given a lot. You know, I live in a, a pretty good-sized house. I, I probably, in terms of the world's population, would be considered a very wealthy person. Really. A lot to account for here. Um, yeah. To whom much is given, much is required. What's that? Yeah. Amen. Okay, uh, page 199. We're coming down the stretch, my friends. Uh, how did Jesus instruct us regarding treasures in uh, Matthew six nineteen through 21? Lay them up in heaven. Yeah, there could be a little bit of a, a challenge. I mean, we kind of 
we kind of like to do a little of both, wouldn't we? <laughs> some in heaven, some for here. Just, just think about the proportion, though. How long are you going to enjoy the treasures here? Very short. Kind of vapor-like. Vapor-like. And all of a sudden, you know, it's, you know, my dad just about died yesterday. He was gone for 10 minutes. You know, the EMT showed up, couldn't find anything. He said, he's gone. They put him back on the bed, and he started breathing again. You know, it was, it was almost comical. And I, so I was talking to Dad, and, and, he, and he didn't even remember the EMTs were there. I mean, he was out of it at that point. You know, he's coming around. But he said, I told him how they thought he was gone. He said, oh, yeah, they, they tend to overstate things. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, talking to Dad, he's 88 years old. He's got a bad heart. I mean, where's your treasure at? You know? What, what matters at that point in your life? You need to kind of live that way. Just live like you're on your deathbed. Put yourself in the future here where you're on your deathbed. What's going to matter then? In verses now, what matters right now? What's going to matter then? Lay your treasures up in heaven. That's what Christ told us to do. Uh, thieves are, nobody's, no thieves are breaking through. and You know, I got thieves going on all over here. Now, uh, catalytic catalytic uh, converters, uh, they're stealing those things. Uh, they, they're worth some money. Well, there are no thieves in heaven. They're not breaking through. Nothing's deteriorating there. It's, it's good. You, whatever you send on ahead to the bank of heaven, it'll be there for you. And uh, it, it'll be there you're re, related to your reward for all eternity. Lay your treasures up in heaven. According to uh, Matthew 6.33, what is to be our first priority in life? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then what's God going to do about it? He'll take care of you. Yeah, all the necessities of life, they'll be added on you. He'll take care of you. Maybe kind of put God, this is, this is a, you know, a teaching from Jesus. Uh, put God first and, and he'll take care of you according to his sovereign will and purpose for your life. Uh, what is the basis of reaping any, an eventual reward as seen in Galatians 6, 9? Keep on keeping on, which is another way of saying, as the text says, do not... Don't go, grow weary or lose heart. Yeah, same, same idea. Don't lose heart. Don't grow weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if... Right, we don't lose heart. Old King James says if we don't faint. Yeah, that's right. Okay, uh, what does Hebrews 6.10 promise? That's right. God's not going to forget. Uh, he's not going to forget uh, the work you've done for his name in ministering to the saints. You know, people tend to forget, right? Yeah, people do forget pretty quickly. Uh, I mean, how many people, uh, you know, that really served the Lord in a great way a uh, hundred years ago, how, how much of that are you remembering tonight? <laughs> okay, just 50 years ago. 10? I mean, uh, we forget very quickly. God doesn't forget. I mean, he's, he's, got, he's keeping careful ledger, careful track. Uh, it's going to count. It's going to count. He's not, he's not uh, unrighteous to forget. Okay, uh, last question here. You ready for this one? Okay. How does stewardship responsibility apply to you as seen in the Great Commission of Matthew 28, 19, and 20? And it's not enough just to go. That's right. Go and make disciples. 
Right. I mean, I do think that's a part of this stewardship responsibility. It's a big thing. Well, why did Jesus come? Well, he came to seek and to save the lost, right? Now he's gone back to heaven and he's kind of left this in our trust. We are to go and, and, and make disciples. Uh, I've got this quote here. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. I, I love that from C.T. Studd. Um, memory verses. Did anybody memorize uh, 2 Corinthians 9, 6, and 7? Go, go for it. Very good, very good. Uh, you know, let me challenge you. You know, maybe somebody will take the challenge up here. What I do, and I've done this for years, is I, I write out all my memory verses on these little three-by-five cards. And uh, most of these are review for me that we had here. But every morning, what I do is, uh, one of the first things I do in the morning is I go through all my memory verses. Uh, I'm not sure how many is in the study. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, and of course, at this, yes. Yeah. That's a good question. You know, uh, at some point, I have memorized most of the New Testament, which is not to to brag here at all, but through the through the years. But there's no way I can keep up with all that, and I forgot as much as I've memorized at this point. But what I've done is I have picked out several hundred of them that are really verses that pop for me. <laughs> that should be true for all of them, I guess. But, but anyway, I, I do about 50 a day. And, and, and that's what I do. Every week I cycle through them. And, and then I'm doing this uh, on, on top of that now. And then I once, try to add some new ones in too here as I go along here there. So, uh, yeah, you can't do everything all the time here. I can't. Uh, my brain's not big enough to keep it all in there. But it's amazing. Once I have memorized it, it's still there just underneath the surface. And when I'm studying something, it's like, oh, yeah, uh, the Holy Spirit will bring that to mind or, or this to mind. And it doesn't take much for me to, to recover it and even to get it back if I want to have it for some purpose. So, yeah. Yep, I've got, uh, I've got Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Saturday, I, I don't because it's crash time to get everything done. <laughs> so Monday, I take a day off, and Sunday, I'm here. So, but Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, yep, I do my memory work. And uh, most the other days, too, I try to do some, except Monday, I don't do anything. I just veg on Monday. <laughs> I do read my Bible a little bit, but I don't... Yeah, it's, it's a Sabbath. This is a biblical principle. Anyway, okay. Yeah? On Monday, right? <laughs> That's my problem. I do it other days. <laughs> anyway, okay. Well, very good. Um, let me now come to what you've all been waiting for. Maybe, maybe not. I want to uh, hand out the, the teacher's manual. And I'll come around to you. These, are, yeah, this is actually you never saw. I did, I did it to start with, 
And uh, I redid it. And there was a lot of mistakes. So you're getting the revision, which is good. Go, therefore, and make disciples. Huh? Go, therefore, and make disciples, brother. Go, therefore, and make disciples. He typically has 16 pages on a sermon, but he only gets through 13 or 14 of them. Go. Go, therefore, and make disciples. I have my siblings signed up already. Good. Go, therefore, and make disciples. 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 I can do that. Go, therefore, and make disciples. Go, therefore, and make disciples. Go and make disciples. Go, therefore, and make disciples. Go, therefore, and make disciples. Well, it has been a great joy of mine to uh, go through this, uh, these lessons with you. My hope is that you can now, uh, indeed, go therefore and make disciples. Uh, why don't you turn to page 7 in the book? I'd like to read through this page with you. Send you off with a, a prayer here. But uh, Basics for Discipleship, page uh, 7 in the book. All the answers are in the book. So, you know, you say, well, I'm not sure I can do this. You know what you need to do? You find somebody that knows a little less than you do. Uh, you can do this. Uh, learn together. Yes. I've got them. If you need some student manuals, I've got them. Just tell me what you need. They're in the office uh, right there. I've got them all on a shelf. And if we need to order more, we, we will. I ordered 100, 100 uh, because I made corrections in that too, included the last chapter here, uh, chapter 28 here. Yeah. What just hit me is that I'm intimidated with this very much because I am imagining uh, trying to reach somebody who wants to argue with me. Mm-hmm. I don't do that well. No, and that's probably not going to work. You know what I'd do? I'd pray about it. I'd say, Lord, I'm, I'm willing. Uh, and and may, let's say you are a person who absolutely is not gifted in this, and it's just not your thing. Well, I don't know about you, Becky. You're a good talker. I think you, I think you, could, you, you, might, you might be able to do this. 
So I'm not going to excuse you too quickly here. But, uh, you know, in one way or another, it's, Lord, how can I be most fruitful in, in helping the Great Commission to be fulfilled here? And we know he wants us to go and make disciples. And so uh, maybe your thing is, I don't know, befriending somebody, bringing them to somebody. We want to do what we can to fulfill the Great Commission. And I think a lot of us, one-on-one, we're not going to be public teachers. I mean, that's the elder's job here. But as far as one-on-one, working with a friend, like I say, maybe we can learn together. Hey, let's do the study together. And uh, you certainly will know more than most people out here. So, you know, don't set the bar too high. Uh, you know, you don't have to be Pastor Dwight. Just, just use what you, what you know. And it's here. All the answers are here. Um, so you've you got to leg up on whoever you're going to be working with. That's for sure. Well, let's uh, read together. Page 7. Jesus' final command to his disciples was, Go forth and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That command is passed to all believers, and as such, we are all responsible to make disciples. Every believer is to be involved in this great commission. All of Christian teaching and living is for the ultimate purpose of glorifying God, and the and key way we do this uh, is bringing others to Christ via the gospel. Making disciples of all nations begins with, begins with winning of converts to Christ. Therefore, step one is, uh, in disciple-making is presenting the gospel to the lost. This is the evangelistic effort of discipleship. In order to make new converts, disciples, it is essential that you be involved with the lost. It is only through the believer's involvement with the lost that they can come to know Christ. Romans 10 says, how can they call on the one whom they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. In this sense, we are all to be preachers of the gospel. Remember, our job is to present the gospel, not make converts. Some plant, others harvest. Uh, Ultimately, it's the Holy Spirit who does the work. 1 Corinthians 3, I planted, Apollos watered, God uh, God gave the growth. So neither is he who plants, nor is he who waters anything, but only God who gives the growth. You plants and he who waters are one, one in the mission, and each one will receive his wages according to his labor. It is God who is building his church. It's our responsibility to act on the Great Commission by becoming disciple makers. Once someone becomes a believer, we are to help come alongside them in the lifelong journey of growing in Christ, that sanctification, and helping them become disciple makers themselves. This manual is designed to help you partner with an individual in the lifelong journey of sanctification with the overall objective of training them to make disciples themselves or to become a disciple, depending on where they're at. Let's partner together uh, to fulfill the great commission commanded by our Lord. Now let's go and make disciples of all the nations. And I close with this uh, little challenge from Dawson Troutman. I've shared this before. He was the founder of the Navigators Ministry. And he would often uh, say, and he actually wrote a little book uh, titled Born to Reproduce. And he challenged us in there saying, where is your man? Where is your woman? Who are you building into? Who are you building into? Uh, That's a good question. Imagine if Jesus' last words in the Gospel of Matthew, in the Great Commission, are his first words when we meet him face-to-face in eternity. Imagine him saying, let's review how well you did with my Great Commission to make disciples. What will the record show for all eternity? 
That is the ultimate question. I would challenge you, according to your giftedness and your ability, I don't want to put a false guilt trip on you, but I'd like to put a sanctified one on you. (laughs) Go and make disciples. Uh, Let's take it seriously. In light of eternity. Let's live in light of eternity. It is our job to win people. That's the Holy Spirit who does it. All the glory goes to God. I planted a policy board. God gave the increase. God gives the increase. But you know what? He uses a human response. But I really was thinking about Barb Kerber in this light, you know, when she grabs her dad by the face and has looked me right in the eye here. <laughs> this is serious for all eternity. I love that intensity. Compel them to come in. Uh, need to be a little more proactive as far as, you know, challenging people. And yet wise. We have to have an open door, too. We can't force it. Walk in wisdom towards them that are outside, as the Bible says, balancing so many things. But... Uh, Let's go and make disciples. I intend to be discipling people until I'm done with the ministry, which is going to be a, who knows when. As long as I'm able, I'll go. But, uh, you know, I want to work with people who will work with people who will work with people. And we want to cause as big a splash for the kingdom as we can uh, for all eternity. That's why we're here. You know, everything else we can do better in heaven, right? I mean, praise. We can do that better in heaven than here, Right. Um, lots of things. So whatever we're doing, we'll do better. But the one thing we're to do here that we're not going to do in heaven is, is win people. Uh, that's our job right here. Okay. Well, hey, thank you all for being in the class. It's been a joy. It really has. Look forward to this every week. And even, to, you know, we kind of did this in the context of the COVID. But it was, uh, it was a blessing to me just to have this session in the middle of the week here. So... Because say we will continue on on Wednesday nights. I'm going to move it. We're going to move up to 6:30. Kind of coordinate with the youth group, and hopefully, as we go into the maybe get Awana going again and so forth, everything be on the same page at 6:30. So, 6:30 next week. If you want to join me, I'll continue on. Uh, we'll continue on in the Word. So, let's pray together. Lord God, I do thank you for the uh, the wonderful truth of of Jesus Christ, and just to know you, uh, nothing compares with that. Uh, How wonderful they have this personal relationship with you for all eternity. And then, Lord, uh, how wonderful to have purpose. And you've told us really what our purpose is. Uh, We are here to win people uh, who will in turn win people. That's the goal, uh, to make disciples who in turn make disciples, uh, to pass pass it along. Uh, Lord, uh, to make our lives count for you in, in that sense. So, Lord, we've been through many subjects through these uh, 28 weeks. And, uh, Lord, we just thank you for each one of the topics that we've been able to cover. And now, Lord, as uh, these have, uh, have the materials, I pray that they would put them to good use and, and to build into people's lives. Lord, we start by saying, Lord, uh, I'm your servant. I'm available. How do you want to use me in this regard? Uh, according to our giftedness, according to the opportunities, uh, our abilities, Lord, uh, use each one of us in, in a full and a rich way. Uh, for your glory. We commit ourselves uh, afresh to you, thanking you for how you're going to use us. As we abide in you, we will bear much fruit. May it be so uh, for Jesus' sake, and we pray in his name. Amen.